Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. Today I have a uh, very well-versed group of parents that is going to help me talk about sleep issues because that seems to be a lot. We hear a lot of families struggling with sleep issues and looking for just really any gems of wisdom that might help um, improve sleep. Because obviously if the brain isn't rested, then it's very, very, very difficult to have like good learning and good behaviors is what I found. But one of the things that we were talking about before the podcast even started was is that some of the sleep issues that we have are not even with our child with autism. It has to do with the siblings. And I know for um, our family, my daughter Kelly, who's our youngest, who is neurotypical, has terrible night anxiety. Um, and so a lot of the challenges, you know, Caleb has his own set of issues. Isaac also had um, a lot of trouble with sleep. But um, I think it's interesting even talking about the siblings because a lot of them also struggle with anxiety. And then, of course, um, that can affect their ability to sleep. So um, first things first, um, let's just kind of go around the circle and we'll talk about just what your particular um, circumstances are on the whole sleep issue, um, whether your kids are great sleepers, not great sleep, um, great, great sleepers, or if you have more trouble with your neurotypical um, kiddo. So let's just kind of lay the foundation for who we have in the room and kind of um, where we're all coming. Okay, this is Tanya, and I have two kids. My six-year-old is neurotypical, and my nine-year-old has autism. And we have not always had sleep issues. He used to be a great sleeper until probably about two years ago. As his anxiety started to increase is when his sleep started to get worse. He used to sleep through the night. Now he tends to wake up in the middle of the night. Um, So that's kind of my situation. But my typical child is a great sleeper. He falls asleep right on schedule and wakes up right on schedule. And he's such a sound sleeper that I can't get him out of pull-ups at the age of six, so, because he doesn't wake up. So that's kind of my situation right now. Uh, My name is Bonnie, and we have six children, two have autism. Um, Let's see, we got 11, 10, seven, six, four, and two. I would say, only two of them are probably really good sleepers, but we do have a little um, different of a situation. Three of our girls we are adopting through foster care, so they have sleep issues from trauma-related um, stuff. But I have realized that you will literally do anything for sleep. Um, my son with autism loved really cold, cold stuff, so he would have to sleep in front of the refrigerator while the door was open. And I would just sit next to him and doze off and leave the refrigerator door open for hours until he'd get in that really deep sleep and then you could move him. He also did not want to sleep in a bed. It had to be very the hard ground for that um, input. So we tried taking his bed out of his room, putting his mattress on the floor. Um, No matter what you did, he ended up sleeping on the hardwood floor. Um, We had a playhouse out in the backyard because it was cold outside. You'd have to first 
um, let him go to sleep and top in the playhouse, which was really fun for my husband because he's a big boy. Then he would have to carry him down from there and bring him into the bed. And, um, yeah, we just pretty much – we do have them on melatonin. Um, we are at the point now with our son – um, who is severely packed by autism that we are considering possibly a prescription medication for sleeping just because um, as you get older, you really just don't do well with not as much sleep. So I've realized as I, um, I won't state my age, but I might be somewhere in my 30s, later 30s, um, I realize running on four hours of sleep now every single day for the last 11 years, it's not as easy to um, function in the world. So you're like, yeah, I'm trying to um, treat my body better because I have to live forever. Because I, <laughs> so she says that too. I was like, oh, I, I know what she's saying. So yeah, sleep is going to be a, a good strategy for. <laughs> right. So I think that yeah, you'll you really do anything. Um, you know, lots of times I don't even sleep in our bedroom. Um, I'm sleeping on the couch with the kids, or if my son's up, I'm trying to keep him quiet. Um, if he goes to bed any time before 8 p.m., he's waking up at midnight. If you can keep him awake until 9 or 10, then he won't wake up till about 3. Um, and then you're trying to keep him safe and from waking everybody else up in the house. So, um, I don't know. What do you think, Jason? My husband's right next to me. Yeah, so when it comes to Evan, I think for him... I mean, sleep is one of his major, major issues. And uh, for him, it's, I think he's so fixated on electronics. And I know a lot of people experience that with their kids. And um, I literally, I have a big gun safe and it's full of electronics. It's, you know, that's, they have to go there every night. Um, we have multiple Xboxes throughout our house. If somebody leaves out a controller, he's going to be up at two or three in the morning just going to town on actually ordered sixty dollars worth of movies uh last week so that was kind of cool but yeah he um it's just his brain does not calm down it's just constantly he's he gets so fixated on these things we really have to limit his screen time and stuff like that it has to be used kind of as a reward system he has to earn it but it just his brain doesn't calm down so yeah sleep is just a really really big thing for him um you know the melatonin it becomes a little less effective. It does help him kind of fall asleep. Doesn't help him stay asleep. So we're considering maybe doing you know the prescription thing, but um, it, it'll it'll ruin his whole day. You know there'll be days where he can't go to school because well he only slept for three hours. We're gonna take him to school and then fall asleep in the corner in a beanbag chair. I mean it's not really useful. So yeah, they're they're always hounding us for missing school, being late to school, and uh, there's just not a whole lot you can do about it. You have to sleep. You just do. So it's it's a little bit of a struggle. Um, but, yeah, he, he's definitely the big one in our house. So I'm David, and my daughter Morgan is 11, and she has autism. And through the course of this conversation, I have discovered she does have a couple sleep issues. What's funny is it's not with sleep. It's with things that are ancillary to sleep, like the fact that um, for whatever reason in our house, the air conditioning doesn't get to the upper level. 
and we just experienced summertime, and she has no concept of temperature regulation. It'll be 90 in her room. We'll go in. She's like, yeah, I'm going to wear my footy pajamas. And I'm like, no, sweetie. <laughs> You're not going to wear your footy pajamas tonight. And then it, we have to open up the window. She gets ticked about that. I'm like, I understand, sweetie. We have to put a fan in her room. And then one morning we come in, and she's like, there's a fly in my room. And I look at her screen. I'm like, yeah, there's also a hole in your screen. Like, what, what happened? She's like, I dug a hole in my screen. I'm like, do you see any correlation between that and the fly in your room, maybe? She's like, yeah. And so now she has a screen with duct tape on it until she digs the next hole in her screen. Um, you know, there's also issues just she wants to go to bed immediately. I'm like, have you brushed your teeth? I mean, she's developed red marks in her mouth from the fact of just either doing a very poor job brushing her teeth going into bed or not brushing at all, and we didn't catch it in time. We also had issues with the, uh, with the um, iPad, too, in that it does have to be removed from the situation because I have – there are certain nights where I'm on iPad duty and certain nights where Meg is and Meg's better at it because I typically fall asleep sooner and then I'll get up to go to the bathroom and at four in the morning she's still on her iPad. And so <clears throat> certainly uh, that's an interesting day the next day. Hi, I'm Chevy and I've got uh, three kiddos, um, one 11 with ADHD and then I have a typical eight-year-old and my youngest who's four and a half has autism. And I will say that they are all very different with sleep. My oldest is kind of the super deep sleeper that a bomb could go off. He's still sleeping. Um, our middle guy's never really had any sleep issues, and our youngest has never at any point been a good sleeper. Um, so sleep has definitely been a challenge for her um, these last four and a half years. Um, I, I would say um, she her problem used to be it would take us upwards of two or three hours to get her actually down to sleep when she was down. We were in the clear, but pretty much from about two years old to about just in the last couple of months, we were just playing this game of like, okay, I'll take the first hour, my husband take the second hour, one of us would go for a drive. Um, she just, I just don't think her brain would just calm down or shut off or, you know, wind down for the day. And, you know, a lot of times we look into all these sleep strategies and everyone's like, set a routine, set a really strict routine. It has to be the routine. And then what we discovered was when we did the routine, each thing we would do in that routine would get her gradually more amped up because she knew we were moving her towards sleep. So each thing, it was like, oh, we're brushing the teeth, battling her to do that. Oh, let's find a book and read a story. A, she doesn't really care about books because she, you know, I'd say now she's starting to have an interest, but before she really didn't have an interest in books because she's just not really paying attention to really what's on the pages. So her story time means, oh, I'm we're going to sit in a chair so I can move you towards sleep. So it was just the routine thing actually made it worse because she was getting more agitated because she knew we were trying to get her to move towards sleep. Um, I will say strategies that have been helpful in the last couple of months is we have added melatonin. So that's her kind of nightly routine. She has little chewable melatonin. So we just hand it to her and she eats it because it's like a little treat to her, you know, a little tiny chewable. Um, so she'll eat that. Um, and um, for whatever reason, the, the winding down is no longer really an issue. She's actually, you know, now it's taking closer to like 20 to 30 minutes to get her down, which has been a huge improvement. Um, but now we're actually dealing with the middle of the night random wake-ups where she will be awake from about 3.30 in the morning to 5.00 just stimming, 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 arm flapping, her really loud humming, and she's like literally running like back and forth between uh, across the room, stimming, and you know, 
I give her another melatonin, and we kind of wait it out until she starts getting tired again, and then she'll come curl up with us again. Um, but I will say there was an evening a couple weeks ago where she started this at 12.30 and did not go to sleep till 5. That was the longest one that we've had so far. Um, I didn't know. I kind of was thinking maybe it had something to do with her OT session because she did lots of spinning, 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 spinning in OT. And I think maybe she just got super overstimulated because um, she went down okay, 12.30 p.m. You know, we're not even in bed yet. And she's, you know, stimming her, like, happy. Like, I feel like she, like, knows that she's kind of being naughty in a way, being up because she's, like, laughing and, then like, stimming and getting herself more excited. Um, but I literally got to the point where I put in headphones, we closed the door, I locked the door, and I was like, have at it. Like, go for it. Like, run back and forth. Do your stimming. Mom's going to try to get some sleep. Eventually, you'll either fall asleep on the ground or you're going to come join me at some point when you are done. So I will say, you know, it's getting better, but we definitely have not hit that, like, magical sleep. So this is John, and Cooper is 16 now. Uh, he has autism. And Cooper, um, he sleeps pretty decently now. Uh, we introduced a shock collar. Uh, so when he got up, we'd hit that, and he'd go right back to bed. It worked really, really well. So, you know, that we've, we're riding that wave. But no, it's, that's a joke, of course. But uh, Cooper, he, he's a lot like what Chevy just described in that sometimes when he gets a little amped up at night and his anxiety is high, you can see it because the stemming real behavior really picks up. And he doesn't want to wind down. Now, a lot of times we can tell him to go to bed, but he will lay in bed and he'll make his noises and do his thing. And, and uh, what's funny is when he comes to visit, uh, the other boys in the room, he shuts all the lights off because he's going to bed, everybody's going to bed, and that's kind of his <laughs> his deal. But, you know, he uh, he gets up early. You know, he's an early riser, probably 6, 6 30, 7 o'clock. Uh, usually he gets up and then comes and wanders in the room, jumps in bed, and then falls asleep till 9. So, you know, he's he's pretty decent about that. But if, as long as he's not too anxious before bed, he usually sleeps pretty decently. So I haven't tried the melatonin thing yet. This is Geraldine. Um, so my son, Elion, is 12. And as everyone's talking, I'm sitting here trying to think. I'm like, I know he used to have some sleep issues. And he did. When he was um, an infant, for the first nine months of his life, he laid on my chest. He would not sleep on dad's chest. He would not sleep in the crib. He would not sleep on the bed. He would sleep on my chest. And that's the only acceptable place that he would sleep. So I remember for nine months, I slept like propped up on the couch with him on my chest. Otherwise, I wasn't going to get any sleep, and I had to work. So that was the only time um, that I really remember, like, some significant sleep issues with him as far as, like, sleeping itself. Um, but he was also an infant, so I don't know if that had more to do with just him being a baby or if autism had any role in that. Um, because, you know, I know some people say that, you know, when their kids were younger, they met a bunch of milestones, and my son did, but there was something, like, about him when he was an infant that I just kind of knew that we might be looking ahead. I didn't know if it was going to be autism, but we were going to look ahead at something was going to be up with my, my child. I don't really know how to explain that now. It's just something you just kind of see in his eyes and the way that he would look at people. Um, but for, gosh, the next 11 years of his life, 
my son, he would sleep so deep and so hard that he would wet the bed every single night. So even though he was potty trained during the day and he wouldn't have any issues, we'd wake up to him being soaking wet every day. It didn't matter if I got up every two hours to get up and bring him to the bathroom. He would still use the bathroom again in his bed before he woke up. Um, and then, you know, he would strip down and he'd just get himself dressed the next morning. That was just the routine because I find like, you know what, if it doesn't matter if I wake up every two hours, then forget this. I'm just going to go to sleep and just get some rest. Um, so finally, he stopped wetting the bed. But now that I think about it, he wakes up at an ungodly hour now. He wakes up at like 4.30 or 5 o'clock. It doesn't matter if he goes to bed at 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night or even I let him stay up late sometimes on like Fridays. Um, and he'll stay up till 11 o'clock sometimes. It's pretty rare. But he'll still wake up at like 4.30 in the morning. So now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, dang, there is something going on right now. So I don't know what that change is, but at least he's not wetting the bed now. Um, but those days that he has been waking up at 4.30 in the morning, he'll be really tired in school or sometimes he'll take a nap at the end of the day. So maybe there's something about a sleep pattern changing, and that could just be him being 12 and becoming like those hormones and puberty and, oh, God, I don't even want to talk about that. But, um, yeah, but for the most part, like I said, he's been really good. So not really sure why the changes are happening now. Uh, it's funny because I had Isaac um, and, and Caleb who both had autism, and it's interesting that some of their sleep issues, while similar, they both had sleep issues, different in just where the root cause of it. And, of course, when I – had Isaac I was just not as educated as I am now about autism and again because they were just you know he would be 16 now but one of the things that was interesting is is that um Jerry Lenny reminded me of this um a lot of the problems that we had with Isaac he was a great car sleeper and so I was joking with everyone before we started recording that my carbon footprint is ginormous on this world because one of the few things that I could do to be able to get both Isaac and, and Tyler, who were just 11 months apart, to sleep was just driving around in the car for hours. And by God, you know, you're willing to do that at a certain point because you're just so stinking tired. And if Isaac was awake, then Tyler was generally awake. And so um, then I would have two really grouchy kids the next day. But one of the things that we, I didn't put two and two together, unfortunately, until, you know, of course, people always say that wisdom is wasted on the youth. But um, one of the challenges that we had was is that Isaac, and probably the reason why he slept really well in the car too, is, is because he was um, his head was upright because he was in a car seat. And I would notice that when he would fall asleep on his in his crib, he was always trying to sleep against the side of his, his bed, the wall or the crib wall. And I found out later on, actually I stumbled upon this gem of wisdom, but I didn't understand the correlation to sensory processing at the time, was he also really struggled for diaper changes. So every time I would lean him back and have to change a diaper, it was a huge, 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 huge meltdown. Um, and I had taken him to a water splash pad, and so his dry, diaper was dry, and I just, in those days, was starting stopping. I didn't care what other people thought of me, so I was just took his diaper off standing up and just was having him step in the swimmer and he didn't freak out or anything so I was like well that was pretty amazing so then when we left I just tore the swimmer off of him and then just put the dry diaper back on him standing up again no issues so from that day on I started changing him only standing up and even in the shower like if it was a messy or horrible situation I would put him in the shower and just change him standing up in the shower and so then I started like noticing then that the fact that he was trying to sleep propping himself up up in his bed. Um, again, I didn't know that that was actually vestibular sensory sensitivities, um, just in terms of gravitational insecurities and just he was more comfortable when his head was upright. 
Um, so now when we had Caleb, um, was never a fantastic sleeper. He never liked to, he just was never a napper. And I have to be honest, because of the circumstances of how Isaac passed away, um, after Isaac died, I hated naps myself because I was so worried that something would happen to him or you know, even my daughter. So I was not a huge uh, fan of naps. So it didn't bother me that he would never sleep during the day. Um, I was largely okay with that. But also the odd thing with Caleb was is in the car, He's the opposite. He has never fallen asleep in a car ever a day in his life. Um, so horrible because, you know, like when you're on those long road trips, it's like, please just go to sleep. But instead, Caleb is awake interacting with me um, in long road trips. Now, as he's gotten older, it's been great because he'll keep me awake because he's always, you know, like awake and he is willing to talk to me. But um, it's just interesting. He gets overstimulated in the car because of this, the vibration, and he just cannot be comfortable and fall asleep. And so with Caleb, he has a lot of anxiety, which does cause him to not sleep. And so we ended up electing to, um, because he's just his brain can't be good for school. And, you know, um, we ended up doing the route of prescription medication at bedtime, which is helps with night anxiety, but then also helps him go to sleep. And... The one side effect, I love it. Caleb loved it. You know, like he's also on ADHD medication and, you know, it's been hit and miss on that one in the sense that, you know, we've tried several different options because his feedback was he didn't like it um, to find the right ADHD medicine. But the nighttime sleep medicine, he loves. He asks for it every single night. Um, he even, that's the one where he's motivated himself to start doing his self-medication at night in terms of, oh, I need to take my sleepy pill, right? Loves it. The unfortunate side effect is that um, weight gain. So he has gained a considerable amount of weight because of that medication. So now it's to the point where his doctor this summer just said we have to switch him to a different option because the weight gain is just, it's getting beyond, you know, we were, you know, trying a lot of different strategies to try and help control it. And he's never going to be a super active kid. Um, he's just, he is more of the, you know, like lump on a log and we really have to force him to like get up off technology, um, get outside moving around and doing stuff. And so we did have to switch him to a different night medication. And I will tell you, I, it's just not working as well as the other one, which is just unfortunate, you know, because we finally found it, found a strategy. Melatonin, I think what you say, you know, over time, it's just less effective. It's just not as good to be able to help with that. Um, but we also, too, have issues with, um, you know, my daughter, Kelly, she's neurotypical, and she has just a lot of anxiety. And then at nighttime, it seems like all of those anxiety things that she's been worrying about when you're laying in bed and now your brain's supposed to be quiet so you can turn it off to go to sleep. It's like that's when everything just kind of like sucks up on her. So we are still dealing with, um, you know, and of course, too, you know, she doesn't have an autism diagnosis, so she doesn't get the benefit of being able to, you know, qualify or justify the, the use of prescription medication. So um, my question is this. I mean, I've tried a lot of crazy things. Bonnie, I appreciated the fact that you were sitting in front of your refrigerator for that child to fall asleep, and I love you for that. Um, one of the things that we found for Caleb um, and that seems to help for my daughter is we use a fan at night. The white noise has seemed to definitely help. Like, I know it's like this whole little meditation thing. I don't even know what it is. So we've done that and that has definitely helped. But like, what are things like, I, it doesn't seem for us that a nighttime routine, I appreciated what you said, Chevy, about the fact that the routine can actually become the trigger um, when they start sensing that they're getting into that routine. Um, 
it's it's like that almost becomes a trigger and then kind of gets them more amped up. But have you found like if you have a fantastic kiddo that's sleeping, like tell us what your routine looks like, your nighttime routine, if that seems to be maybe the success, or give me some other strategies that you guys have used that seems to um, be helpful. I mean, I know some people, you know, have benefits with weighted blankets, but just tell me some of the different things that you have tried. Um, and even if it worked for a little while and then maybe not work, because like, again, we're trying to find strategies or suggestions that people that are listening might be able to utilize um, to have some success. Okay, this is Tanya again. And one of the things we've had to do is because Logan has trouble shutting off his brain is we have to like stop screen time like two hours before bed because that just kind of amps up his um, brain and it's hard and he has a very difficult time shutting it off. And so we found like on nights, cause we do a f um, Friday night movie night. And of course this last Friday he had trouble because that lasts until later and he had trouble falling asleep um, and was up until about 1130 where he normally goes to bed at nine. And so we found that just cutting off that screen time like two hours before he goes to bed really helps with shutting off the brain. And we also use melatonin, which is great at helping him fall asleep. Not necessarily stay asleep, but he falls asleep well. However, he is so much into his routine when we give him melatonin at 8 o'clock and his bedtime's at 9. He'll sit there and ask me, what time is it? And I was like, it's 8. It's 8.35, and he's like, okay, and he'll be tired, ready for bed, but his bedtime's not till 9, so he will make himself stay up until 9 every single time because that's his routine. No matter how tired the melatonin has made him, he makes himself stay up to 9 before he goes to sleep. And then he sometimes, we also recently, about a month ago, started him on medication for his anxiety, and I think that's helping a lot as well because he hasn't been waking up so much in the middle of the night as he used to. Um, he did the other night, and what he usually does is he comes, and I just give him, because I need my sleep. I'll be honest, I do not function well on very little sleep, so I just give him my spot in the bed, and I go sleep in the guest bedroom, and he goes right back to bed. And so that's just kind of what I do. I want my sleep, so I give him my spot. And he goes, he'll usually fall right back to sleep if he wakes up in the middle of the night most nights. Hi, this is Jason again. Um, for us, nighttime is kind of weird. We're, uh, we're pretty happening house at nighttime. So I work swing shift. Uh, I'm a night owl. I, I'm used to staying up, you know, two, three in the morning. Um, my wife, Bonnie, she's kind of the same way. We, you know, yeah, we, we stay up usually a little bit later. We try to get the kids to bed at their normal time. Um, so that's why, yeah, we really go with little sleep when they're getting up at three, four in the morning and we're just going to bed for a couple hours. You know, that really... Uh, is a conflict for us there, but with Evan, Evans is our our um, one that doesn't ever want to sleep, um, and I really I try to I like the kids to sleep in their own bed. I mean, it's just you know you have a bedroom, you have a bed, go sleep in your bed. Um, I lose that battle all the time. I mean, I come home, there's kids laying all over the place. My wife's passed out in the chair. I mean, it's I you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you never know, but uh, unfortunately for Evan. He just doesn't really like sleeping in his bed. You know, he he does like the deep pressure. He'll sleep on the he'll pass on the floor. He'll pass out in the weirdest places. Sometimes I'll be like, where is Evan at? I don't even know where he's at. And he'll just be like in a corner somewhere, always completely covered up. He always has to be covered. He doesn't like, he just likes the blanket over him. And that, yeah, that brings up another thing. He has to have his blanket. He's 11 years old. He's had the same Batman fuzzy blanket since he was a little kid, too. 
I mean, it's in shambles. I mean, you can't even barely tell it's Batman anymore. But he, he has to have it. And if that's what he wants to go to sleep and he wants to cover up with it, have it. I mean, I, I feel like going scouring eBay to find a couple more of them just so that we have extras because, you know, it'll be a tough day if he loses that. We'll be able to tell the difference. We did the same thing once. And they can tell because they're cleaner, they're newer, they don't have that same smell, so good luck. I did that too, though. I actually just tried to trash it a little bit and just, <laughs> be, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to wear this sucker in myself. I don't. We did that with a stuffed animal, and he could tell he's like, this one is too yellow, this one is brown. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, yeah, sometimes I think with everything with him, you, you definitely got to pick your battles. And sleeping is a tough one. I don't care if he's as long as he sleeps, because that's the big thing. And he doesn't sleep very well. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to sleep on the couch every night, go for it. We just make everybody else be quiet. Be quiet. You know, you don't say anything. Go, you know, go back upstairs. Like if he wakes up, he's going to be up. So, yeah, it's it's a battle for sure. I think everybody's brought up. A significant point, which is you've kind of defined what your sleep routine is, too, as important as it is. And so to try to explain it to somebody outside the room here, we've had so many people suggest, well, maybe you should do this. And, and well, maybe you should come live in our house for a week and then come back with your suggestions. Because as we were talking about before this session, um, it's actually our typical child that has these sleep issues. And she says, oh, I'm afraid of monsters, and half of me believes that, and half of me believes you're really good at manipulating is what you are. Um, but, <clears throat> but she is. And um, so, for instance, initially she would go to bed in her own bed, and yeah, we would love our kids to sleep in their own bed, but she'd come down around 2.30 in the morning, and you know, my wife at one point is like, well, you need to talk to her. I'm like, my negotiating skills at 2.30 in the morning are, you know, slim to none. And then I'd make off into the uh, guest room. Um, now, what we've done to try to combat this is we've bought her a trundle bed, if you know what that is, which is a bed attached to a bed. And um, so I'll go to sleep in that bed next to her and then move down to our bedroom in which she'll come at two. And then I'll move to the guest room. So certain nights I'm sleeping in three different beds, um, which is but I think the important thing is, you know, people are going to have opinions on what you should do and whatever you're doing to get as much sleep for your child and for yourself is what you should be doing. That's it. And I think also, you know, some of the most positive moments that I've had is with, so Evan didn't really want us touching him in any way until he was probably five and a half years old. That is l really devastating to um, a parent. He didn't want to call us by our names. He didn't want us touching him. It, it was just those moments were taken away. And now he's, you know, 105 pounds, almost as tall as me, you know, almost 11 years old. And when sometimes, like, as tired as I am, when he runs up in our bed and jumps on both of us and we're in a dead sleep, I actually really appreciate it because I didn't get those moments when he was younger. And so even though Jason will be pushed up against the wall, I'm almost falling out of the bed, I'm just, I actually really appreciate the um, the moments that I get with him, even though he's older now, because I, I'm experiencing those for the first time and I didn't get those when he was little. So I, I'm okay with, you know, my arm falling asleep and whatever else happens really right now. Cause I, in some ways I'm in a happier spot than I ever was. Cause I'm going lack of sleep, but there's so many, so much growth, other growth, you know, coming out of it that I don't know, kind of a great thing in a way. 
So this is Chevy again, and I would say the strategies that we've kind of come up with is um, we've noticed that a change in her routine will throw off her sleep for upwards of two weeks where we know, okay, we go on a trip. We go do a Seattle trip to see our family, and we drive the five half an hours to get there, and then we're in different beds and different night times because everyone wants to stay up and visit and chat. And then when we come back, we know, okay, we're going to be paying for this for the next week or two until she gets back in her set kind of routine. We're already anticipating sleep problems. Um, we actually attempted a trip to, well, we did do the trip to England to see my um, husband's family because he's from the UK. And uh, we basically decided we're not going to be doing any international travel till minimum of about five more years <laughs> because um, whereas everybody else adjusts, sleep adjusted in about two or three days from the time difference between Seattle and England, she took an entire week. And um, by that time, we were starting to move towards our return. So that was really scary for me because I was like, okay, we're done with the sleep adjustment, but now we have to move the other way as far as adjusting her again. And um, of course, in England, um, a lot of people live on attached homes, right? Like having a detached home in England is actually like kind of a big deal, right? You're like, oh, you have a detached home. You guys must be doing well, right? Because cost of living in England is so high. So when she's up at three in the morning stimming, I'm like, okay, there's, a per there's another family on the other side of this wall. So it's like, how do we manage? How do we manage this, right? We can't just go, oh, it's fine. You know, everyone else will just deal with it. We had to find out strategies, so we had to be doing a lot of driving when we were on that trip. Um, so we do try to limit, like, kind of those trips to, like, okay, as needed, because we know it will throw her sleep off so much. And then um, we have added some white noise. Her OT actually mentioned kind of a sleep CD that was helpful for her to help keep her brainwaves in kind of that more steady pattern of sleep, which... I mean, it has improved some, so we'll say that that's working. Um, I will say there are the occasional evenings where, you know, she just won't stay in bed, so I do have to, like, sit in front of her door. But thanks to Holly and the Isaac Foundation, we do have a weighted blanket, and I've figured out a solution of when I am sat in front of her door, um, she'll come and want to sit with me, and then we've added the weighted blanket to that, and that has actually really helped her kind of calm calm down. At first, she was like, don't like blankets, I mean sleep. Then she was like, oh, actually, this blanket feels good. So that has become a strategy because when we first had it, I was like, man, she doesn't really like this. But it was just because she was associating blankets with bedtime. But now she's figuring out, oh, there's a sensory reward because I like this pressure. It's starting to really work for us. So still managing the kind of strategies. I mean, maybe eventually we'll move to a medication. Who knows? Um, but um, at this point, we're just we're taking our wins and we can get and I'm glad you mentioned weighted blankets because with Cooper, this is John again, by the way. Um, Cooper actually responded really well to weighted blankets. Um, and even when it's, like you say, 90 degrees in his bedroom, he still wants the weighted blanket. And uh, so we've introduced fans as well. I have to sleep with a fan because I got really bad tinnitus. So I have to have something that drowns out that constant cricket noise in my ear. So uh, I can kind of understand some of that. But, uh, you know, with Cooper, if he's had an active day, he sleeps pretty good most of the time and then if he's not then he doesn't seem to want to uh to sleep too well so uh and it depends somebody mentioned diet man i'll tell you something sugar late at night bad juju really bad so he doesn't right yeah yeah so i that's why i and that's why i stopped bringing him in the house yes because because i used to be kind of in, i used to love the energy i liked the way they they, they tasted and and uh, and I get the zero calorie ones, you know, because I was trying to watch my girlish figure. But 
you know, um, he he would he drank two of those in one night, and he was wound up. Yeah, they, yeah, they did a great job, and I'm surprised that they didn't try and wrestle him away from him because they like him as well. But yeah, so he, uh, we have tried some other uh, homeopathic stuff, and I would say that that some of that is another topic, but I I think some of that is a, is a good option as well. So and we could talk about that at another juncture. So here's one thing, honestly, when you mentioned that, um, so Caleb, he, he's our princess in the pea, so really you have to have sleep, you know, like sleeping environment for him to um, be able to go to sleep. And I will not lie that there was six months or maybe even more than that, that he was not sleeping in his bed. He was just sleeping on the couch every single day. And um, it's one of those things, too, where you, you just pick your battles. If this is where, because he was refusing to sleep in his room, um, you know, it could be, well, the cat laid on my bed. And then he's worried about, like, well, you know, like, is there a flea that could be on the cat or there's a cat hair? You know what I mean? So then you get into that thing where it's like, I'm, you know, doing all this crazy stuff about trying to keep the room closed and cats, you know, not there because God forbid that a piece of cat hair should be somewhere on the bed. And then uh, guess what? It's not really probably even that to begin with. So it was just, you know, there was a time. And then, of course, the other kids are saying, how come Caleb always gets to sleep on the couch? It's just like, because I'm tired. You know, that's my answer because I'm tired. I want to sleep. But interestingly enough, we actually, and I just dismissed, the thought had crossed my mind, um, but then I dismissed it a long time ago. It's because Caleb had his own room, and um, and I had my two teenagers sharing, and Caleb had his own room because the teenagers would, would tend to stay up later. And then my daughter had her own room because she's the only girl. And... Um, you know, then again, with six months sleeping on the couch, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, this probably is not a lifelong solution. We got to try and figure it out. And, you know, I was kind of pushing back with, it's like, okay, now I don't want Caleb sleeping in Kelly's room because, you know, Kelly's a girl. Um, but I really don't necessarily want to like split up the teenagers and have Caleb trying to sleep in with one of the teenagers because is he really going to sleep because the boys are up and they're on, you know, on their phones or trying to play, you know, cause they don't, he, they don't have to go to sleep as early as Caleb. And um, I finally decided because, you know, Kelly, my daughter has a lot of sleep anxiety. Well, so does Caleb. And so I finally just said, you know what? Screw it. Like, screw what society thinks. I'm going to go ahead and let my boy and girl share a room because there's just a year and a half between the two of them. And, um, you know, Kelly... Kate, Kelly is very, was very picky about her room anyway. Like the teenage boys could never even look at her bedroom without her raging at them to get away from her room. But Caleb, it's like, oh, no, you can come in. You know what I mean? And so then I was just like, okay, with both of them having sleep issues and night anxiety, we just like threw it out there. Caleb and Kelly both were like, yes, absolutely, that would be amazing. And so we, you know, put them both in there. They both actually are on bunk beds, so they're both in the top, and they're like, it's an L shape, so they can even see each other. And it's actually, he's sleeping in the bedroom now. Now, the only thing is, is that Caleb has to have the fan on, um, and he likes the door closed, and Kelly would tend to like the door open, but she was open to the fact that, you know, closing the door would be okay. But aside from that, he slept in his room every single day since then. And again, then I'm just like, oh, Holly, you're such a dipshit, because because like you have been just making your life so much so complicated because I was so worried about some of those stigmas associated with a boy and a girl sleeping in the same room together and it's fine because we have like healthy conversations about you know girl parts and boy parts and how we keep them covered and when we change clothes you go into the bathroom and which they would do anyway because like that's just gross right so it really hasn't been an issue and like I said I could have had this all thing I could have had this whole thing fixed earlier if I wasn't so worried about 
you know, like stigmas, you know what I mean? With him going to school and saying, I share a room with my sister. Well, that sounds weird. You know what I mean? But for them, it just works. Like they both have anxiety and just knowing that they're both in there has been amazing. Let's see. Is there anything else that we have missed? Um, uh, we've talked about Bonnie was nice enough to share her crazy thing about sleeping um, in front of the refrigerator. Does anybody have any crazy thing? Like I said, my carbon footprint is, is ginormous thanks to um, Isaac and Tyler when they were little. And I really, I, I'm okay with it. But does anybody else have any crazy things that you've done? Dumb, but we kind of had a, a little bit of a crazy story. Now, I think you might have mentioned this in a different one. Uh, this is Jason again, by the way. But... Um, Evan, he's the one that doesn't sleep. He also used to be an eloper really bad. So when you put those together, one night we wake up and we're like, okay, where's Evan at? Okay, we're looking through the house. He'll be here. He, you know, he's hiding in the corner. Couldn't find him. We literally couldn't find him. And then we start hitting that panic stage. Do I call 911? What do I do? I mean, we looked everywhere through the house. I mean, this, you know, 20 minutes in, we're panicking. Like, we have no idea where he is. Um, yeah, and come to find out, Evan loves the trampoline. He loves the trampoline. And, you know, you can just kind of see out in the backyard, just completely dark. What What is that? And you go out there, and he's just dead asleep. It's the middle of winter. I mean, he's just out there asleep on the trampoline. And I'm like, how, how, I mean, how did that happen? What? I would have never thought that he would go out there and do that. But to him... That's where he wanted to sleep. That's where he wanted to go. And it was a pretty scary thing. I mean, right after that, I'm like, okay, putting locks up on the top of the door so he can't get out. And, you know, that was just a, a phase that he kind of went through where, you know, sometimes he would just wander off and do whatever he wanted to do. And um, he outgrew that. But, um, yeah, that was, that was just a, a crazy thing that happened. And that was the only time he ever did it. But it scared you half to death, you know. But, um, and and do whatever you need to do because I know what you're talking about. With Evan wanting to sleep on the floor and things like that, I was so afraid to take his bed out of his room and things like because I knew people would come in our house and be like, you don't, like, oh, you're treating your disabled son like that. Your other kids have beds and your son, you know, and it just, I was always stressed out about, you know, what people are thinking if we'd have somebody over and the fridge is open and Evan's sleeping in front of the fridge. You know what I mean? It doesn't look the best. I'm like, oh, just step over him and get your drink. It's not a big deal. Um... But, you know, you really, that you do get to that point where it's like, you know what, it's about what's best for them. And it might look different. And, yes, he did sleep with, you know, a mattress on the floor, but really technically next to it on the floor and all sorts of weird things that everybody knows you have to do. But really, as long as it's best for them, it works for you guys, I mean, you know, you just do it. Yeah, you asked for a crazy bedtime story. So um, for whatever reason, once uh, summer vacation came about, and we never discussed it, but Morgan decided summer means no rules. She's just like, that. she had determined that. She never told us, but that was trying to retrieve the iPad at night because like you get talked about, they had to earn it every day. So I walk up to gather the iPad, gather the iPad and she's like, you were supposed to forget the rules. I'm like, we didn't though. She's like, well, I'm going to call the police. I'm like, what are you going to tell them? I'm going to tell them that you murdered somebody and you're going to tell them you did it. I'm like, well, if you somehow access a phone and do that, that's fine. I'll have that conversation with them. But um, for now, we're going to take the iPad. And then she started making good on her threats to run away, which previously had been to, you know, the porch or maybe the end of the driveway. But at this point, she started getting a little bit bolder. Now, if you can imagine somebody running down the street with their iPad screen in one arm, so she should still look at the iPad as she's running away. 
And all I had to do to tell her, to, you know, to, to stop her in her tracks is there's a dog and cat around the corner because she's absolutely terrified of both, and she gets so pissed. And like, she just stops, like, fine. And she starts staring. I was like, but I'm getting new parents. I'm like, well, you have your iPad. You could probably just Google that right there. So, Or the Wi-Fi runs out at a certain point past our house. So God, that would actually piss her off even worse. You're absolutely right. have like a crazy sleep story but I will say that um, when we when we have visited family um, on the other side of the mountains because we are from Seattle uh, we dealt with a little bit of like I guess judgment issues as far as what we have to do to get her to sleep um, just the fact that you know like we will try to get her to sleep you know maybe it's an hour or two and then eventually one of us is like okay we're just gonna take her for a drive and it was very much just like, oh, do you guys always, like, always have to take her, you know, like, on a drive to get her to sleep? And just kind of just not understanding, like, how much we do struggle. And um, we even had a little bit of a debate because our family this summer was like, you know, yeah, you know, there's, like, ten of us because I have a pretty big family. There's, like, ten of us and only five of you guys. So if you guys could just, like, come out to us, it would be just, like, really convenient for everybody. And we could, you know, do all the local stuff. That would be really great. And it's like – you guys don't understand, like, the weight of, like, I can't pull her from therapy to leave on a Friday to go head out to Seattle. Or we are going to know we're going to deal with all these sleep issues. So it's like, if you guys came our way, we don't have to deal with any of the sleep issues because we can just set her in her same routine and not have to change her routine, you know, for that convenience. So we're just still trying to deal with kind of that understanding of, like, you know, she does have a disability this isn't something she's just going to grow out of because I still think they do have that impression of like, she's so young, you know, you never know. It's just, you know, next year she could just be fully talking and like everything would be, you know, just so much easier. And it's just like, yeah, you guys just don't get it, but that's okay. Oh, we could have just five more <laughs> podcast recordings from people. All the, all the wonderful things that people tell us and, you know, yes, all of that great advice that I put in the circle filing cabinet called the garbage can because it's just very frustrating. Yeah, we could definitely, we could go on and on and on. And we've kind of touched on some of those too in even previous podcast recordings. But I think we've covered pretty much all the things that we wanted to cover today. Um, thank you guys for joining me. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.